Welcome to the discussion, Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Jothi Dugar, the Chief Information Security Officer at NIH's Center for Information Technology, and Sandy Scarborough, the Chief of Strategic Planning and Business Transformation at NIH. To begin the conversation, I asked Dugar to give me an update on NIH's recent efforts to improve cybersecurity at the agency through a people-first perspective. When we look at cybersecurity, it's often thought of as a purely IT-centric mission. Um, And what we're trying to do is really change the language around cybersecurity. So Jose Arrieta, who's the HHS CIO, recently said, As employees of HHS, we are entrusted with the PII and the PHI of more than 100 million Americans. So if you look at that, each of us plays a role in this. We have to do our part to ensure the protection of the information that's entrusted to us by the American people. So we took a people-centric approach through this optimized NIH IT security initiative. We look at people as our biggest assets. They are our first line of defense, but they're also our biggest assets. So that involves using a people-centric approach. We're involving the entire workforce, and we're really engaging them, not just telling them what to do, but we're, we're getting their opinions, involving them, learning about their experiences, their pain points. And all of this started with leadership. We went to leadership first. We invited their support. And then we started increasing the awareness and education amongst the workforce. So we're really looking to empower staff with the information that they need to make informed and educated decisions and enable them to really, first of all, identify suspicious behavior, to even know what that looks like as compared to normal behavior, um, and then to feel comfortable reporting suspicious behavior or suspicious things to the appropriate parties. And also feel comfortable asking questions so they don't look at the, the, the cyber team or the optimized team as someone that they weren't able to approach before. Now they have someone to go to, they can ask questions, they can feel comfortable, and they'll get the information that they need. And Sandy, if you could just uh, answer the same question as well. Sure. So the uh, approach is really that of a, like Jyothi mentions, a people-centric approach. And so my office manages a change management capability, and part of optimizing is bringing people along the journey. What we're doing is supporting that supporting the initiative by engaging individuals and helping the people and culture group do that engagement. So, you know, just uh, supporting what Jyothi says, just empowering the staff, you know, with information and, again, you know, bringing them along the journey. We don't want to do change to people. We want to have them involved in it. And Jyothi, you had said something interesting that I was hoping you could unpack a little bit more as well. You said taking a people-centric approach to IT. Um, and I've, I've heard it said before in, in various kind of venues that in a lot of cases, IT is not just a technology problem. It is is also a, a people challenge as well. Could you go into a little bit more detail of, of what you mean when you say you're taking a people-centric approach? When we look at people, a mindset is everything. So everything starts with the mindset when it comes to um, anything, really, their health, their lifestyle, their decisions that they make at work, what sort of decisions they make at work. So when we look at people, often you hear in the cybersecurity world, people are your weakest link. And I take great offense to that. (laughs) I look at people and and, and we're looking at people through the optimized program as our biggest assets. Because why are we focused on cybersecurity anyway? It's to protect our people and our science and the data 
that also goes back to protecting our people. Um, so if we really empower our people um, with the information that they need, um, and so and trying to do the right thing even when no one's watching. We're not just trying to encourage people, oh, just do the right thing when somebody's watching you or you know you're going to get in trouble. We're, we're really trying to empower them with information so they would want to do the right thing and they know what the right thing to do even when there's there's no pressure on them or there's no eyes looking on them that they would want to do it for themselves. And they understand the risk of, of being cyber safe. If we could just drill down a little bit more into specific use cases here, and I'm specifically talking about NIH's Optimized IT Security Initiative. How does this community-based approach to tackling this problem help solve these IT security challenges? Sure. So, as I said before, cyber has previously been thought of as just the mission or the role of the cybersecurity office or team or the CISO, or maybe maybe we'll factor in the IT staff and maybe the CIO. And what we're really trying to do is ensure that everyone understands their role in cyber safety and the role that cyber safety plays in their lives in the roles that they have at the NIH. So we're looking at it as a community-based approach. You know, as we all know, one person can only do so much, but as a community and as a whole, you can do so much more and it's so much more powerful. So Optimize IT Security Initiative is one of eight larger optimized efforts. And in that, there's four guiding principles, which includes using a scientific approach that's data-driven. We also have stakeholder teams. What we did was we looked at the different types of users all across NIH, and we created 12, 13 different groups. Because what we really want to do is tailor the approach to the stakeholder group so it's not just the one-size-fits-all. And that's generally the approach that's used in cyber, that if it works for one person, then it should work for everyone. And what we found was when you have these different type of stakeholder groups, especially at an organization such as ours, where we have clinicians, researchers, scientists, police, emergency management, we have a whole slew of different types of stakeholders um, who have different roles. So we really want to tailor um, the approach to each of these groups so that so it really resonates with them make it realistic for them so they understand where cyber fits into their role and eventually it'll be embedded into their roles itself. So using stakeholders is is the second one. And then there's employee engagement. So as we said before, right now in a lot of organizations, you know, there's an annual security awareness training or some sort of security training that most people, if they don't see any relevance to it, to their role, will probably just click next a hundred times and get a certificate, and then that's it. They they feel like their role in cyber is just that half an hour that it took uh, to take the exam, and they don't have to think uh, about it again for the rest of the year. We're trying to change the culture in that and to really engage our employees, all of these different stakeholder groups, not just our IT department, and really communicate with them. So bridging the gaps between all of our stakeholder groups and all of the roles. So that's why we started with leadership, executive leadership. We had our director send out an email to all staff and then our CIO to all staff. So we were really promoting a full community, a holistic and integrative approach to cyber. My guests today are Jothi Dugar, the Chief Information Security Officer of NIH's Center for Information Technology, and Sandy Scarborough, NIH's Chief of Strategic Planning and Business Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman, on the discussion Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network.
Identifying and remediating rapidly evolving cyber threats originating from hacktivists, nation states, or cyber criminals is a time-consuming manual research process. Stay ahead of your attackers with Recorded Future. Recorded Future automates the collection and analysis of threat intelligence and delivers real-time, actionable insights to agencies, driving 63% faster resolution of threats. Find out how at recordedfuture.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the discussion, Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. My guests today are Jothi Dugar, the Chief Information Security Officer of NIH's Center for Information Technology, and Sandy Scarborough, NIH's Chief of Strategic Planning and Business Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman. Jothi, turning it back over to you, could you tell me a little bit more about specifically the people and the culture group that you're leading over at NIH? And and more specifically, this idea of crowdsourcing these problems like IT, how is that a useful organizational tool to overcome some of these challenges that you guys face? So the People and Culture Working Group, our main mission is to kickstart a culture shift around cyber safety with the message of cyber safety being the concern of the whole NIH community. Um, and as we said before, we're moving away from the notion that it's just an IT issue. We're also looking at improving cyber safety measures using a holistic and integrative approach. So people process technology is the standard way of looking at cyber safety. And there's a reason why people is always mentioned first, because it really we're doing this for the people. We're really trying to encourage for the people and by the people now. So we're empowering our people, um, all of our people, not just the IT staff or the CIOs, our, our executive leadership, our supervisors, mid-level management, and all the various different stakeholder groups that we talked about with information, driving awareness, bridging gaps, even bridging line of communications. We're looking at any sort of training that's needed, role-based training or specialized training for different stakeholder groups. Um, and the second part is people processes. So are there any processes that currently exist or don't exist that we need to look at, maybe make it more streamlined, uh, make policies available for all staff and make it easy to understand um, and available? Does everyone know where to find a policy if they have a question? So they don't always have to keep asking someone for it or they even know that there is a policy about, about something. And then the last is technology. So as we said, we're looking at people as our biggest assets and their first line of defense. But in addition to that, we also need certain technologies. So we're looking at technology from a holistic and integrative point of view as well. What technologies do we have already? Do they interact with each other nicely? Are we using the technology effectively? Are we using all parts of the technology? Do we, or do we need um, new technology to, to help our people out? As part of this integrative approach, we're making cyber safety easier for everyone to commit to. This is a commitment. This is not a one-time deal. Um, cyber safety is not going anywhere. If anything, it'll uh, only become more prominent as years go by. So we really want to make a culture shift and as a kickstart, but then also have everyone commit to a longer, maybe even a lifetime of understanding the role it plays in, in their role and how it actually enables the mission. And the last part is we're holding employees and staff accountable for working in a cyber safe manner as well. Can you follow up a little bit more on that last point of, of making staff accountable? So again, our, our primary goal is to drive the awareness and the education um, and make those communication lines open. But again, it's always the balance between the carrot and the stick. 
So we're we're providing them with as much information, multiple opportunities for growth and for knowledge and for awareness, understanding their pain points. But you know, at the end of the day, we also have to ensure that everyone's aware that this is a requirement. It's it's not an optional thing anymore for for cyber to be to be looked at as a oh okay, well I am a clinician or a scientist. I'm just going to take my course and I'll be done with it. Now they're going to be expected to incorporate cyber safe behaviors into their role that they play, you know, ensuring that, you know, if they're about to buy a particular uh, application, what are the steps they have to take? Can they just go and buy it? Or do they have to uh, look at the security ramifications or at least ask someone, go to the right parties to see, um, does it have to run through any approvals? So really taking a step in the direction of not, buying or purchasing things or implementing things out of the blue by taking an extra effort to be cyber safe whenever possible. The thing that I think of when when I hear that is time and again, I've had similar conversations on this when it comes to more of the nitty gritty cybersecurity and always comes back to the idea of the number one challenge always is like spear phishing or just mm-hmm. people clicking on links. And I think that really, really gets back to your point about cybersecurity being everyone's responsibility that, you know, everyone has email, everyone has to be smart about realizing what is and what isn't safe. But maybe I'm just paraphrasing what you've said already, but it, it does seem to me that, you know, this is really getting across the point that cybersecurity to some level, to some baseline really is everyone's responsibility. Yes, okay. most definitely. And I know you had talked about crowdsourcing. Uh, I think Sandy would, will give you a lot more details about that. Yeah. Uh, so crowdsourcing is really uh, a change management method that we use. Uh, so crowdsourcing, what it does is it allows us to leverage the wisdom of the community, the NIH community, again, emphasizing this collaborative approach with the community. We're leveraging an ideation platform right now so that we can cast a wide net, and this is available to everybody uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we set out our first challenge asking people, hey, how can we you know, help people understand and learn about cyber safe behaviors? And we got some great ideas from the crowd. We got about 33 fantastic ideas. People voted on it, and we had a lot of great conversations that we were able to leverage. In fact, we're using that information to help us inform our campaign and how do we approach things. And one of the best ideas that came out of it was use stories. Use stories to tell people, you know, why it's so important. Why is cyber safety so important? And uh, we're we're going to be doing that. The next challenge that we put out is going to be asking people at NIH, hey, tell us your cyber safe or your cybersecurity stories uh, so that we can. My guests today are Jothi Dugar, the Chief Information Security Officer of NIH's Center for Information Technology, and Sandy Scarborough, NIH's Chief of Strategic Planning and Business Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman, on the discussion Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. Identifying and remediating rapidly evolving cyber threats originating from hacktivists, nation states, or cyber criminals is a time-consuming manual research process. Stay ahead of your attackers with Recorded Future. Recorded Future automates the collection and analysis of threat intelligence and delivers real-time, actionable insights to agencies, driving 63% faster resolution of threats. Find out how at recordedfuture.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the discussion, Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. 
My guests today are Jyothi Dugar, the Chief Information Security Officer of NIH's Center for Information Technology, and Sandy Scarborough, NIH's Chief of Strategic Planning and Business Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman. How can non-IT personnel contribute broadly to the cybersecurity improvements at NIH through this optimized effort? So we have uh, come out and asked for people to volunteer. We have over 100 individuals across NIH just for the IT security effort that have volunteered their time, and they're not just IT people. So we invited people to do that. And also, we feel that the non-IT staff members are really valuable and important. They're there to support the science. We're all here to support the science, which is why we use our tagline. We we, We identified a tagline, which is, be cyber safe protect our people and our science. And so that really resonated and resonates with a lot of individuals at NIH. So what we've done is we've even, one of our, one of our plans is to implement a cyber safe champion program. We've already received uh, 12 people that are like, I want to be a part of this program. I want to help, you know. In fact, one of them is the director of our Office of Human Resources. So we are reaching out to multiple disciplines across NIH and stakeholder groups that want to be a part of this. And we're going to be outfitting them with some support and resources so they can influence their colleagues and their peers to uh, adopt those cyber safe behaviors. Before we turn it over to Jyothi, could you go into a little bit more detail of what it means to be a cyber champion in the the context of this program you guys will be standing up? Being a cyber champion is basically being that person that everybody can go to within your organization if they have any questions or you are out there and um, providing, you know, information to people so that they understand what the dangers are of spear phishing or how do I report something. So, Those are the people that are going to be out in the uh, institutions that are going to be champions of this effort and supporting and, again, sustaining the effort. That's really part of that sustainment piece is to ensure that this continues on even after this huge campaign is over. They're still going to be meeting and they're still going to be sending out the message to NIH about cyber safe behaviors. All right. And Jyothi, any thoughts on the question? This type of strategy tends to work in any sort of transformational change um, at the organizational level. It has to be a full community-based approach. So, you know, involving the people, engaging them, involving champions so they can take things and run with it moving forward. Um, Then also, you know, having the champions be the leads that um, their staff can approach so they're not fully reliant upon their only their security officer or their privacy officer. So you have more people that they can go to with, with questions that maybe even if they don't know the exact answer to a question, they will be the champions to get them the answers or point them in the right direction. All right. And I know that there are still some some goals you guys have laid out for this optimized effort, you know, in the months and the years ahead. But this being a data-driven approach to things, are there any metrics that NIH is using currently to measure the effectiveness of the optimized program? Sure. So as any major transformational change uh, effort, you know, when you start, you just take what you have already. So we're looking at what do we have? What kind of data do we have already from a qualitative uh, point of view, from a quantitative point of view? Do we have any security incident reporting metrics? Do we have any results of phishing simulations that we do or any numbers from that? Do we have any email uh, security stats that we can use? So those are some of the qualitative. And then uh, from a qualitative standpoint, looking at what is the general ideas or opinions on cyber, which is a little hard to measure, but when we interview stakeholder groups, 
we've pretty much gotten similar uh, responses where, as we had mentioned earlier, where cyber is thought of as a purely IT thing or it's a roadblock to the mission or they're known as like no-sayers or um, there's really no other cyber uh, safe option. So people just resort to, you know, doing something on their own, but uh, not on uh, on purpose, but just because they don't have any other, they feel that they don't have any other choice. So it's a little bit harder to measure, but based on the, all the interviews we've done, these are similar concepts that haven't, have pretty much prevailed across our stakeholder group. So that's so our goal is to is to change that. So when maybe when we do another set of stakeholder interviews, once this campaign continues for a while, maybe those opinions will change. From a reporting metrics standpoint, hopefully we'll have more metrics to work with because um, we might see um, an uptake of security incidents just because more people might be able to understand and identify uh, that something is a security incident or even something suspicious, which might cause an uptake in the actual reporting. And as Sandy mentioned, we're also using the idea scale contributions. So we're showing people that we're not just listening to them and, and keeping quiet. We're actually listening to them and taking action to drive the campaign and to show them that, you know, we're taking action on what they're asking us to do or what they feel that is needed in, in the environment. And Sandy, on the, the, the change management side of things, your perspective on things, is it a similar situation with the metrics and how you guys are measuring how things are going? Yeah, it's similar. Uh, so right now, you know, what we're doing is we're we're in that discovery phase and uh, taking a look at how much do people know now and using that as a baseline. And then the intention is to look at it, let's say, in September and see how far we've come based on, you know, all of the activities and events that we plan on doing for the cybersecurity campaign. I think we're running low on time here, but I'm just going to throw out one last question here. With all of what we've had in this conversation going on here, how does this the cyber safety effort with Optimize, how does it have the potential to influence recruitment and also retention of the, the current workforce? So this is a, a broad question. So from a broader NIH perspective, you know, as more people become cyber savvy and learn cyber safe behaviors, they might be encouraged to even in their roles, even in a, in a scientist role, in a clinician's role, um, in a researcher's role, they might start looking for um, cyber safe skills or cyber safe behavior in who they recruit and hire in their those roles. So as we move away from cyber just being an IT thing or um, only the IT staff or the cyber staff have to come in with cyber safe uh, skills, um, this might start reaching other roles and what they look for as well. That's part of it. The other is we have to first identify who is currently deemed as a cyber workforce to begin with. So currently, probably um, it's only the InfoSec community, but we're, we're looking to broaden that scope in the future. We're also looking at additional ways to encourage staff to learn about cybersecurity. So what I found personally, I do a lot of mentoring, is that there's a lot of cyber staff, cybersecurity students out there that aren't able to find good positions just because most organizations are looking for experienced staff. So we're looking at possible volunteer programs, internships, cross-training within the organization 
detail opportunities, and just encouraging the younger generation to look into cyber too. I'd like to thank today's guests, Jyothi Dugar, the Chief Information Security Officer of NIH's Center for Information Technology, and Sandy Scarborough, NIH's Chief of Strategic Planning and Business Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman, and you're listening to Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the discussion Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network.